Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Miami Heat podcast. I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Norris Cole. The champ is here, and we are in the building. The season has begun, and it has begun with a bang. Yeah, Norris, just as we thought, you know, 137-95 victory over the defending champs. We've been telling you that all offseason that we were just going to come in and, you know, beat the champs by 42 points. <laughs> what bang, a, bang, what bang, a game, bang, man. Bang. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow, yes. wow. Before we talk about that, speaking of champs, we want to tell you about Bet Online. Back and better than ever. New web interface. Uh, ready for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, lines as ever before. Uh, you can get football there still, but basketball season starting, Major League Baseball playoffs, basically anything you want to bet on. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe 50 That's B-L-E-A-V-50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, like I said, basically everything. Vegas casino games. Take advantage of bet online. Fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, Norris, we want to jump right in and talk about that heat victory on Wednesday night. Obviously, the defending champs were without a few players, so we understand that. But we just want to look at the Heat and how great they look. Norris, what did you see on Thursday night? I saw what we call a heat wave. They jumped, they jumped out early, and they never looked back. You know, they got off to a big lead. Uh, Tyler Hero played amazing. You know, he was, I think it was four for eight from three. Uh, Bam out of Bayou set the tone. You know, he, he controlled the game, the interior, um, that, that mid-range jumper we have been talking about. He showed a lot of flashes of that. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler did what Jimmy Butler does. And then Kyle Lowry was the, you know, he was the floor general. I mean, it was just unbelievable energy. And the shooting was just, man, once they got that lead, it was it was no chance that night for, for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, we're going to walk through a couple of things relating to the, you know, the topics that you mentioned. The starting five, their offensive rating as a group when they were on the floor together, 110 offensive rating, 60% effective field goal percentage. They didn't turn wow. the ball over. They got right around 30% of their own misses, which is something that you never really saw last year. I think we were second worst in the league in offensive rebounding. In Milwaukee, when that starting group was on the floor for the Heat, Milwaukee did not get an offensive rebound, and that was a trouble – Last year for us, we gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. We understand Brooke Lopez is a big part of that for Milwaukee, but we took care of right. business when that first group was out there. What do you? Yeah, you think? can't control. Yeah, I mean, that's, you can't control who's out there. I mean, obviously the champs were, you know, you know they, they didn't have their full squad, but you know you have to play against who's out there. And this was the season opener, so no matter who was out there as the opponent, the Heat wanted to get off to a great start to start the year, and they. They definitely did that. And the offense, like you said, was unbelievable. And then the rebounding, it was unbelievable for, for game one. So let's just start, you know, Kyle Lowry, we talked about him all offseason. Obviously, the, the prize possession that we got this offseason, he did have a little bit of a scare, rolled his ankle. It went down to the floor. It didn't look good, but he did tie it up, went back to the, um, to the locker room, came back and did play. He is questionable tonight, but I think the fact that he came back in the game probably makes me believe that he is going to play tonight. With his game, you're looking at his stat line. Five points, one of eight shooting, one of six from the three-point line, 
He was two or two from the free throw line shooting wise, not Kyle Lowry's best game by any means. Look at the rebounding one rebound, six assists, obviously very good. Only one turnover plus 22. When you're looking at his plus minus by no means, are we going to be here saying, Oh, Kyle Lowry had a bad game. It wasn't a great game, but his impact was felt so many other ways. We talked about the pace. The pace was great. What did you see out of Kyle Lowry and his immediate impact in that first game? Just what you said, his pace of the game. He had demand of the offense. You know, he he pushed the ball a couple of times where the defense had to collapse on him and then, you know, kicked it out for easy shots or he created what we call triggers. He get two on the ball and then he passes it and then it's swing, swing, the ball moves. And then obviously defensively his communication out there and his activity you know, you always, you know, feel him when he's out there playing. So I just think, you know, his pace of the game, his control of the game, for it being game one, you know, I think other than that ankle setback, I think he played an amazing game. And I think he's only going to get better because, like you say, he only had, I think, five points. And that's, you know, you know he's going to score more than that. But scoring is not going to be his true value. His value is going to be making those timely winning plays, whether it's a charge, a shot, you know, pushing the ball up the court to flatten the defense out, you know, or just make one of those crafty vet plays. And I, I'm excited, man. I think <laughs> I'm excited, man. I think when everybody gets healthy, I believe, you know, the Miami Heat, you know, they could truly possibly be, you know, Eastern Conference contenders. Yeah, I love that you talked about the triggers because you didn't see that as much last year. The ball didn't fly around as much as it did the year before on that bubble run, even before you know the stoppage with the pandemic. That team shared the ball and moved the ball so well. It's fun to watch that style of basketball. It's fun to play that style of basketball. It last night it was so equal opportunity, it seemed like. You know, when you look at the the scoring line, everybody scored besides Marcus Garrett, and he only played a few minutes at the end of the game. Everybody had different contributions. Obviously, Tyler Letterman scoring with 27. You have Bam with 20. You have Jimmy with 21. Other guys, you know, between three, five, six, seven points. That's a fun style of basketball to watch and play, and it makes it harder to defend that group too. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when you have multiple guys on the court that can create triggers and can make two people have to guard the, the ball, and then when you pass the ball out of the triggers – that's another playmaker. And then when they swing it again to another playmaker, it, it makes for actually entertaining basketball, which is what I like. I like to see entertaining basketball. I like to see the ball move. I like to see guys be able to make plays. And Miami, he has put together a roster where I believe it's going to be exciting to watch them play. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Bam throughout the offseason. He had a great game, 20 points, 13 rebounds, uh, 9 of 13 from the field. His yes, impact – I mean, you know, we talked about shooting jump shots. We talked about being aggressive. It was as if he went down and made a list of what people were saying, and he just checked them off. Like, one by one, anyone that had doubts in what Bam had done this offseason, he was attacking smaller players, which people criticized him for. He was shooting jump shots when they were there. He was – it almost seemed like a load was off his back. He didn't have to do as much of the playmaking, the DHOs and things like that. What did you see out of Bam? Because – he was tremendous. I just, you know, Tyler let him in scoring, but I think Bam stood out to me as like, wow, he is a whole nother level player right now. Yeah, Bam actually looked like he was our franchise player last night. Or a couple of nights ago. That's what I saw. I, just looking at the game, if, if I didn't know anything about basketball, if I didn't know anything about the Miami Heat, I would have looked at that game and said, Bam on the Bayou is the 
best player, you know, on, on the Miami Heat's team. He's a franchise player. And I believe going forward, he will be the franchise player. You know, obviously we have Jimmy Butler, but I believe Bam is going to be, you know, maybe this season or maybe the next season going forward. But I believe Bam's, you know, is going to be the franchise player because he can do everything. I don't think there's like one thing you could say, oh, well, he's not capable of doing that. And that's what you need in a franchise player, a guy who's capable of doing it all. And you can see the UD effect, you know, the, the nastiness, the, the tenacity, you know, you, you, you can see that, the confidence. Uh, you know, I, I love what I saw out of Bam, and I, and I believe it's, it's only going to get better. You know, you mentioned Bam and UD. The only thing he couldn't do is convince Udonis to go into the game at the end. The fans were chanting his name. They were trying to get him to go in there. Did you uh, did you see that? You know, the kind of the yeah, I you did, know what? I did. But <laughs> when you when you're a veteran player, and you know it's a game like that, you know you it's, it's hard to just get up and just you know go in the game like that after you know sitting for for so long in a game that's you know maybe meaningless. Um, I understand, you know, he probably wasn't feeling it, you know, physically. Um, but there, there will be other games. There will be other chances for us to see UD. But UD wanted to make it about the younger guys. Uh, he's a very mature player. He knows his body. And we're, we're going to see him out there. Don't worry. Yeah, I think there's a sense of pride that obviously Udonis has. And, and I understand, like you said, he, he, he wasn't ready. He wasn't maybe stretched loose. You know, I mean, you don't want to be the guy that just goes in for the last minute and 15 seconds just for the sake of going in. You know, you're he's a, a champion. He's one of the best players in our franchise's history. So, you know, it's it was, it was interesting, though, the element of what was going on on the bench. And we've talked about, you know, your time with the Heat, the fun that you guys had. You worked hard on the court, but you had fun off the court also. And you could tell just in that game, in that moment where – the starters are on the bench. Most of the core guys are on the bench. They're having fun. They're joking around. They're trying to get the crowd to, you know, chant UD's name more, having a good time, watching the younger guys play, celebrating other people's success. And I think that's important. I think having that element as part of a team is important to the team success. Absolutely. It's called camaraderie, man, the brotherhood. you got to have that camaraderie. you got to have that brotherhood because what that does is when the moments get tough, and you have to communicate directly, it lets you know that your brother is there for you and that it's not personal. You know, when you when you can joke with the person, when you can have that joy in the game, when you can have fun and communicate during the good times and get to know one another, it makes it easier for the tough times. So when a person has to get on you or have to hold you accountable, you know, you're, you're more willing and open to accept that. Imagine if I never talked to you, if I wasn't excited for you to make plays, but then when you do something wrong, all of a sudden I jump on you. That's not a, you know, that's that's not a team attitude. That's not conducive to winning. But when you're playing well, when you're diving on the court and your, your teammates are cheering for you, it makes it easier for when maybe things don't go so well and your teammates hold you accountable, you know, you're you're more open to receive that. Yeah, and talking about that second unit, you know, it the rotation was essentially nine deep. Um, until you got into sort of the the garbage time in the fourth quarter because the game was so out of uh, out of hand, basically. Um, Markeith Morris, he played 18 minutes, didn't shoot it well, three of 10 from the field, seven points, four rebounds, one assist. Um, Dwayne Debman had a good game, 15 minutes. He was five of six, hit a three, um, hit both of his free throws, finished with 13 points, nine rebounds. Um, Tyler Hero, obviously, played 24 minutes, 27 points, uh, six rebounds, five assists. 
He was 10 of 18, four of eight from behind the arc, three of four from the free throw line. So just shot the, the heck out of the ball. Uh, and then Max Struess was sort of the ninth guy, played 18 minutes, did get a lot of minutes at the end, but he was c- kind of part of the rotation in a way. Uh, two of four from the field, hit a three, um, had that great block right before halftime that led to the Tyler Hero, um, Tyler Hero buzzer beater, and then finished with five points. Why don't you just pick one of those guys out, and, and what did you see sort of as that second unit? And, and it's been a question of depth you know, and how this team is going to deal with depth. What did you see out of that second unit? Yeah, I'm going to go over Tyler Hero, man. <laughs> he, yeah, he was in the press spot this, this offseason for some, you know, people criticizing him for, for different reasons. And I'm just going to say it looks like he's been in the gym. His, his game, he had a great spring to a step. He competed defensively. You know, obviously his offensive rhythm looked great. He looked like he's in great shape. You know, he looked like he had a lot of positive energy flowing with him. I'm I'm gonna have to say, man, Tyler Hero really stood out to me. And I and I believe that he if he continues to play like this, I mean, he has a chance to be, you know, possibly sixth man of the year. And you know, obviously that's a high value piece. And so yeah, obviously everyone played well. You know, it was a blowout game, but I think Tyler Hero really established himself early in this season. Like, listen, I'm focused and I'm ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. And you can go to bet online and, and bet on that. I know uh, it's been a popular thing discussed on Five Reasons Sports and some other places about the the opportunity for Tyler Hero to win that award. Because if you're going to go in there and play that, you know, you think about like the Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, uh, Jordan Clarkson role where you're the first guy off the bench, you're almost playing starters minutes. But your job is to go in there and just go be a, be a fire shooter, like just knock down shots, score the basketball. He's not going to score 27 every night but the way that he played, but also he created, um, let me see if I can find this stat. He assisted on about one third of our made field goals, which was another thing that he was criticized for. We know he can shoot it. We know he can score, but as he played as that backup point guard and had other guys around him, he was finding other people and creating for them too. So it's great to see Tyler play that way because of, you know, we talked about how many times did we have to do episodes about what Tyler was wearing what he was doing on Instagram, you know, his having a child, not being focused, like stuff like that. Like, it's great to see him and game one be like, all right, put it that, put that to rest. Cause I, I put my work in this off season. Exactly. He looks like a, he looks like he has matured and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that this season. All right. So we're going to move forward past game one. Uh, it's great to get excited about game one, but we have 81 ahead of us. You know, it's like <laughs> it's it's great to start this way, but it's like, all right, you know, the adventure is just beginning. And the second adventure is in Indiana. Uh, we're playing the Pacers tonight. The Pacers are 0-2. They have lost two games by a combined two points. Uh, they've blown leads in both games. I believe they lost to Washington last night in overtime. And I think the first game was Charlotte. Uh, the Heat are four-point favorites on the road. Um, you know, when you're looking at the Pacers – Obviously, Sabonis, Miles Turner, I think, had a 40-point game last night. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, they're missing T.J. Warren still. Uh, Chris, Chris Duarte, um, he's a rookie that's, that's been playing well for them. What do, you, um, what do you see out of that team, and maybe what are you looking forward to seeing tonight out of the Miami Heat? Well, other than, you know, Sabonis, we know about Sabonis, but this new guy, this new kid, rookie, Duarte, I mean, he's serious. He's serious. So I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup, seeing him go up against, you know, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and, you know, the, the cast against Miami Heat. 
Um, obviously, it's going to be great to see, I, I believe, two all-stars go up against each other, uh, Bam out of Bayou and, you know, Sabonis. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. And obviously, uh, Malcolm Brockton, you know, and Jimmy Butler, you know, they're going to go at it. And so, you know, those are, you know, the three matchups that I'll definitely be watching closely. Um, this is Indiana's home opener, so, you know, they're looking for a win. So it's going to make for an entertaining game, I believe. Let me ask you about, you know, last night they lost a game in overtime in Washington. So obviously it's disappointing. You, you fall to 0-2. You're traveling back home. You're playing on the second night of a back-to-back. How does that impact you as a player? Like for someone that maybe doesn't understand, hasn't played, been, been in that situation, what is the, the physical impact for you trying to get up the next day and, and have another game? Um, it's tough, but I mean, the beginning of the year, it's, it's, you know, it's a little easier because, you know, you're fresh, you're ready to play, you know, you're tired of preseason, you're tired of, you know, beating up on each other in practice. And so the, this is the second game of a back-to-back, but you're going home for the home opener. So that's going to give you a, a, a bit more of a boost. And I, and I believe that they'll be ready to play at a high level. I, I really do. And before we move on from that, you know, obviously when you were here in Miami, Indiana, a lot of times, was our rival. That's who we ended up facing in the playoffs. That's the, the group that we had to get bashed with Roy Hibbert and Paul George and those guys. What is your favorite moment playing against the Indiana Pacers with the Miami Heat? Mm, my favorite? Obviously, it's, it's beating them in order to go to the finals, the elimination game. <laughs> That's always the goal. I mean, beating those guys just to get the last game each time in order to advance to the, to the finals are the best memories, but, you know, some in-game memories for me personally. Um, I remember, man, my Besides, the, besides the Tyler Hansborough one, right? Besides yeah, the I'm about going to say, at. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, easy talk one. about the, the, yeah, those, those are the ones, you know, I guess seeing, you know, competing up against Lance, you know, I, I, I matched up with him a lot. You know, going up against Lance was fun for me. Um, you know, watching LeBron and D-Wade duel against, um, you know, Paul George and, you know, Danny Granger one year, but mostly Paul George. Um, those, those, those were the best parts, especially watching. I remember one game D-Wade had, I believe, like, you know, 38 or 36 points, 13 for 26 field goals. I don't – like, no – no free throws hardly. And LeBron had 41 and 17 in the same game in Indiana. I remember that game. You know, that was a that was a great, you know, great, great performance that those two put on. But I'll just remember the competitiveness. It was high competitive basketball, physicality, skill-wise, tactics, strategic-wise, environmental-wise, going into Indiana and then coming back home. Cause it's two, two totally separate environments, you know. You know, the whiteout Miami versus, you know, going to Indiana, the hard, you know, quote unquote, hard working, you know, Midwesterns, um, you know, it, it was just highly competitive basketball that I, that I love. Yeah. I, I was just trying to think of something that I could remember the, I think it was a game one and LeBron and, and PG went back and forth, back and forth. And LeBron had that. It was, I think it was a sideline inbounds play where LeBron kind of like curled the Laid screen and got in for the layup. Yep, for the, at the buzzer for the game. Yeah, it was like basically like I think PG hit the shot before that, and it was like, oh man, like we're gonna lose. And LeBron just found a way to get to the hole, 
laid it in, and we won that game. That was what I was thinking of as sort of the the play that stood out. But I, those were great battles to watch, like you mentioned. Absolutely. Um, that was a great ATL spoke drew up, too. Yep. He's not a bad coach, right? He's okay. <laughs> He's okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, the, the sarcasm didn't travel too, uh, too cleanly over the Atlantic Ocean to you over there. I was like, Norris was about to hang up on me there for a second, like I was being serious. Yeah, right. Um, you know, before we close it up, we want to do a quick episode today, talk about the season opener and, uh, talk about tonight's game and we'll get this published real quick. Norris, uh, we usually start off with, and we skipped over it. What's going on with your season? How are things going over there in Spain? Um, things are going well here. We, um, have a big game coming up actually tomorrow. Um, we're playing against, um, Barcelona and the ACB They're right now. They're the top team in ACB. Um, we're number one in our group in uh, Champions League, which is a good thing. Um, we just won a couple of days ago, so we're, we're number one in our group so far in Champions League. So we're doing well. Um, still have some work to do, but I'm excited about our team, excited about our season. And, you know, I'm playing re- really well right now. And so, um, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's good to hear that. So. We will uh, we'll close it up for today. We'll be back next week. We'll have a couple more games under our belt to talk about those. We're excited to have Heat basketball back. We're excited for the way the season has started, and we'll be around every week to give you an update on the Heat season, talk about the NBA at large. We didn't do a little bit of that today, but as we get more kind of more of a sample size under our belts, we'll definitely go around the league and talk about things that myself and Norris see. Norris, before we leave, just close us out. Heat Nation, we want to say thank you for your support, for your subscribes. Make sure you keep sending us the likes. Make sure you keep subscribing. Make sure you keep sending your requests in. And until next time, Heat Nation, we out! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.